and I'm getting more deeper into faith today than I have been, but uh, I'm always teaching faith because I'm teaching the Bible, and the Bible's called the Word of Faith. So whatever subject I teach, it's relevant to what God tells me, but it's really irrelevant in the sense of faith. It's all faith if I'm teaching the Bible. But some things are just more important, and I'm talking particularly about using your faith. And why do we study faith? There's three things I want to say real quick here. We study faith because, number one, it pleases the Father. If that's all it did, it'd be worth it. You know, that ought to be your goal. Not just coming to church, but pleasing the Father. And that's, that's going to take place mainly away from church. It could please Him here, too. Of course, you should, but... But you don't live here in this building. I don't either. But you've got to please the Father. And it pleases the Father when I live by faith. When I talk my faith, when I believe Him, when I trust Him, when I act in my faith, I act on the Word. It pleases Him. And if I, and if I don't do that, it doesn't please Him. He may love you, but you don't please Him. Anyway, number two, it gives you victory. Faith will give you victory in every area of your life. If you'll have faith in God in whatever areas that pertain to your life, and I'd say everything pertains to your life, and mine too, that I, he, it gives me victory in my life. It gives me victory in every capacity. And number three, it makes me whole. It makes me complete. We studied that last week, I'm pretty sure, from Thessalonians. God wants us sound, spirit, soul, and body. Now, I want you to turn to uh, Hebrews 11. First of all, to get started today, I want to make a couple other comments. Hebrews 11. And uh, we're going to read a verse here in just a second, and I'm going to read that verse out of a different translation because it's just better the way they interpreted it. Uh, but let me talk to you about your faith here. We're, talking, we're going to talk today, don't throw your faith away. Don't throw your faith away. No matter what anybody else says or does, don't ever throw your faith away. Don't ever say you don't need that anymore. You just made the biggest mistake of your life. You need faith to live. Faith makes life worth living. <laughs> faith pleases the Father. I'm on that today, yeah. Let me just quote a couple of people here. First of all, my spiritual father. Never relax your faith. Keep stretching it. Always have something you're believing for. I, I always say it this way. You need a project. If you don't have a project, get one. If you don't have one, I'll assign you one. No, really, everything I preach is an assignment for you. I just told you, don't throw away your faith, so that must mean you better buckle up, buckaroo, and stay in the Word, stay in faith, stay in faith with us, stay in faith with your Father, stay in faith with your time in the Word. Don't ever relax. You Don't throw your faith in the corner and pick it up when you... Faith is not for an emergency thing. It's, it's for a way of life. Faith is a way of life for us that don't the Bible. You just pick out an isolated scripture, you might think it's just to help you on the way to the emergency room. And sometimes you can get stuff like that when you're young and immature and don't know much. But that doesn't flow for God forever when you're in a good church and you're being taught week after week after week. He expects you to grow up and he expects you to use what we teach you. And he'll hold you responsible. You know, I couldn't believe people were this ignorant, but people have got mad at me and said, I'm not coming to your church because I'll have to be responsible for that. I said, well, you go somewhere else. You may fail. I know you won't fail if you listen to me and do what I teach you. You say, that sounds pretty cocky. No, it just sounds right. Because I'm living in it myself. And proven this for over 40 years. Okay, just talking. A man of faith is strong when there's no evidence of the answer. John Osteen said that. 
a man of faith, or how about this, a woman of faith is strong when there is no evidence of the answer. You have to realize when we talk about faith, we're talking about something you can't see as yet. You don't feel as yet. It don't sound like as yet. It don't look like as yet. But if it's real faith, you're going to see it. I don't care how long it takes, you're going to see it and feel it and taste it and touch it, whatever you need to do with your feelings. I love that about John Osteen. What a great man of God. I love it because he's a man of faith, and I love it because he took his wife home. They opened her up and said she's got liver cancer, I think it was, wasn't it? And said, just sold her back up. She's dead. Give her two months. She'll be dead. And he took her home, and she lived. She's, I saw her personally at the KFC arena in the last two or three years, and she gave her testimony. It was 40 years ago she was healed of liver cancer. She's 80-some years old. <laughs> she lived. But John knew faith. And John knew how to teach faith, and she caught it from, they talked about it together, but she was so weak, she had to rely on his faith and her faith too. Every day. Every day she took God's medicine, read all the healing scriptures. She's she got a book, Healed of Cancer, Dodie Osteen. We used to have a bookstore. We don't have it anymore, but you could get it from their ministry maybe. Number three here. Not that I'm implying, I'm quoting a scripture from the Amplified Philippians 4.11. You don't have to turn there, but... Not that I'm implying that I was in any personal want, for I have learned how to be content and satisfied to the point where I am not disturbed. Man, this is so, I don't know about you, it just, thank you, Father. I am not disturbed or disquieted in whatever state I am. You're not talking about Indiana and Kentucky. He's talking about whatever state of life I'm in, whatever state I'm dealing with things in my life, I am not disturbed and I am not disquieted. I'm concerned about humans anymore. They're so frantic. They're so flighty. They're so full of care and fear and worry and unbelief. It's a striking thing when you know something. And then it goes on to say, faith is not disturbed. Real faith, not disturbed. Doesn't matter whether they see anything yet or not. You're just not disturbed. You just know it's going to be what? What you believe. What you say. Based on God's word, not what you just say out of your carnal head, out of your natural reasoning, but out of what God has said. Faith is not disturbed. I hope you get this today, and I'm going to teach you more about it in just a second here. I'm finished giving you some things here. Faith is not disturbed. When the temptation comes to be disturbed, faith refuses to be disturbed. <laughs> I can remember several times in my life, I don't know whether to tell you about it or not, but I mean, I was borderline being disturbed. And I said, Father, this is no fun. He said, well, just keep your faith activated and don't be disturbed about it. I said, okay. There we went. We just kept on. Now we're here. That was many, many years ago, 15, 20, further back than that, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Faith is not disturbed. My father-in-law, bless his heart, he's a scientist. He was a, he's a great, had a great mind, a great brain, a good thinker. He had a Ph.D. in metallurgy and nuclear physics and all kinds of stuff. And he really didn't understand faith at that point in his life. And I was going to take Diana and come down here and go to school. I lived in Ohio then. And he, we got in a big conversation out in our barn. We were having a barn sale. You had a garage sale. We had a barn sale and sold everything we didn't need to take with us, put the rest in the truck and drove down here. He said, we got any money saved? I said, no, not a lot. What are you going to do? I said, God's going to take care of us. Michael, Michael, what do you mean God's going to take care of you? 
you know, we got in this altercation. It was kind of hot, but I loved him and respected him as my father-in-law. And at that point, you know, if I'd have been talked out of it, he'd have talked me out of it because he said, you know, da 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 what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? I said, I, all I know is, Lee, God told me. God told you. See, he's used to equations and science and stuff like that, but you can't put God in a science laboratory. Now, the real scientists will tell you that God's involved because they're smarter than just the average brainiac. And I'm not making fun of people that are smart. They've helped us a lot. But I'm not talking about that. You could be that and still go fail on the faith level. But see, I said, well, I just know God told me. I prayed about it for a year and a half, beloved. I didn't make a rash decision. Fifteen minutes praying in tongues, yeah, I'm going to go into ministry. That's what a lot of people run off. God's told them something, and they haven't never spent any quality time with God to know God's voice and to be sure that's God talking to you. And I'd like to give Lee credit because after two or three years later, he finally called me and said, you were right. I said, thank you. I love you. And he died two weeks later. But, you know, he made it right. I mean, I wasn't holding anything against him, but in his own spirit, he got convicted because he saw that God had worked it out for us. Okay, so when the temptation comes to be disturbed, faith refuses to be disturbed. Now, if you haven't got what it takes to refuse it yet, you need to spend more time in the Word. How do you get strong? Spending time in the Word. TV won't give it to you. Even some of the Christian stations won't give it to you. They'll confuse you if you let them. But I'm not criticizing everybody on TV, but I'm criticizing those that don't teach faith. I don't care what they say they're teaching. If I've listened to them and you're not teaching faith, I'm not going to turn you on again. Because you lost your opportunity to help me because you're not helping. Okay, just talking here. You'll never be strong for God until you learn to face challenges undisturbed. You don't want to face challenges? Just go out don't come back here. and Don't go to any church and just go on and live for the devil and do whatever you want to do. That's the only thing I can tell you. You'll have challenges out there, but you'll have no answers. I have challenges now, but I got answers. And I know how to get on the other side of stuff. What stuff? Everything. Everything that opposes my covenant. Everything that opposes what God says. And the whole world out there and half the preachers are teaching unbelief. But you never know what God's going to do. That's because you don't know the Bible. If you knew the Bible, you'd do what God's going to do. He's not a liar. He's not like people that shuck and jive you, tell you all kinds of stuff, never do nothing. Yeah, I've met those people. You may know them too. You only become skillful in this by practicing it. So, you know, you don't thank God for the problems in your life, unless you're mental. But you learn to thank God that you've got a way to get beyond that and get on the other side of that or plow through it or make it remove, speak to it and command it to leave, and eventually it'll leave. And I just never get tired of, you know, I just keep on doing what I did when I, 30, 40 years ago. I was just barely learning this. And, of course, the devil would jump on and pile on and give me all kinds of stuff that I didn't know how, but I just had simple faith in God and just kept on, kept on. on. Use every circumstance that arises Use every circumstance that arises to practice being undisturbed. <laughs> yeah, it's real good. Use every circumstance that arises to practice being undisturbed. You know my daughter? You know my daughter? She's not here today, Jessica. She called Friday night and said, Dad, they, 
told me I got, she, she was just seeing double, you know, ride, riding around with three kids five years ago. Five years ago. And uh, I said, well, maybe you need to see my eye doctor, honey. I didn't too safe to be driving a vehicle, especially with your boys. And so she went and saw them, and they called her at lunch. I was with her, and Diana was with her, me and her mother. And she said, I want you, the doctor said, I want you to come back immediately to our office. We want to talk to you. Uh, so that was at noon, 1230. We dropped her back off, put the boys with us, took them home. And she called 6 o'clock that night, called me, and said, Dad, uh, they say I got a brain tumor in my head about the size of a hardball, one quarter of the size of my brain, and they want to take it out Monday morning at 6 o'clock. That was her comment to me. I said, well, honey, we're going to get on the other side of this. Did you make that up? I wasn't prepared. I wouldn't have said that. But I didn't have a meltdown either. You can ask my wife. She, I, she was there when I took the call. You being smart, like, no. I mean, listen, if you haven't got help for people, give the phone to somebody else. Or just start crying. That, is, that Crying doesn't fix anything for anybody. It never has. And you can get in intercessory prayer and get into weeping, and there's some areas of that special stuff. Most people never even get there, so I'm not even just barely mentioning it. But just crying and being sorry for people doesn't help anybody do anything. Just trust me. I've lived my life on this planet. I'm going to be 70 in a couple of weeks, and I just know how people think, and they don't think right. So, But I had used the circumstances for, what, 20, 30, 40 years to say I'm going to get on the other side of this. And when things arose, and a lot of things have arisen in my life, not only for me, but for many of you. And for those that ask me, I use my faith to help you. Hallelujah. And sometimes, many times we're able to turn it, sometimes not because other people, I don't want to mention names, that this should have been ready and they weren't ready for that. So you've got to pay attention. It's not just that you took good notes, but you're listening to what I'm saying and you're willing to listen and put it to work in your life and it'll work for you. That's what I'm saying to you. Not being mean, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, what would you have said if your daughter had called? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't just pretending to say something in faith. It just came out of me. Well, we're going to get on the other side of that before I even thought about what I'm saying. And then we did. Her husband helped. I helped. You know, there's other people prayed too, but I'm just talking. All right. Now, let's go to Hebrews 11. We're talking about not being disturbed. That's what's important. And we talked about the subject today is don't throw away your faith. No matter what anybody else says or does. Because people say, you know, I tried all that faith stuff and it doesn't work. I'm going to repeat myself. That's why it didn't work. You tried it. You didn't do it. You know, when you determine you're going to do something, you're just going to do it. Bless God. It doesn't matter what happens. You're going to do it until, it, until you're just done. Or you go to heaven. That's the way I figure things out. If he says do it, then I just should do that until I go to heaven. Not I'm going to do it for a week, and then if it don't work, I'm going to throw it away. I've had challenges like that. All right, Hebrews 11:34. Let me get this one verse in us first of all. It says, they quenched the violence of fire. They did it all by faith, verse 33 says. Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Now, in this verse 34 here, this one comment here, out of weakness were made strong. The Passion Bible, I don't have the Passion Bible here. I've got something different, but I wrote it down. The Passion Bible says, although weak people were weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. 
Your faith will impart power to you to make you strong. If you'll speak the word. You don't just speak the word. You know, I'm not making fun of people. Listen, to me. but if you just speak the word on the way to the emergency room, but you don't ever talk that at home when everything's right, then I don't think it's probably going to take hold to you. And if you're young and immature, you, re- you acknowledge that and you realize you don't know much, you might get by on that for a while because God's mercy is covering you. But you can't get by on that your whole life. <laughs> so it says here in the Passion Translate, though they were weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. You speak in faith imparts power to you to make you strong. Hallelujah. You see that? Man, I want faith. I, I want faith to be imparted to me as I speak it and stand on it in faith. It says it a little different in the King King James, but I like this translation the best. Though weak, their faith imparted power to make them strong. All right, Hebrews ten. Now we're getting down to the meat and taters, so to speak. Hebrews ten, verse thirty-five. Hebrews ten, verse thirty-five. Let me let me get to that here. It says, "Cast not away, therefore, your confidence." Or I would replace it with the word faith because that's what he's saying. Don't throw away your faith. Don't cast away your confidence, which hath great recompense or reward. So there's a reward for you if you lay hold on faith and you keep a hold to faith and you don't throw it away. Okay? For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now, I know it says the promise, but I'd like to take it out of its context just for a minute because of my knowledge of the word and say the promise you're believing for. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you stayed with God, you stayed in faith, you stayed with the word after a season because you have to use your patience. Patience is not faith, but patience is important. You know, on the uh, going across the, I guess it's called the Lincoln Bridge and the other bridge out here is called the Jacobs Bridge. I had them build it for me to get to the east end. <laughs> Just see if you're paying attention or sleeping on me. Whatever it's called. But there's pillars underneath there that undergird that bridge. You know, the, the bridge going across wouldn't do any good if you didn't have something to hold it up. That's what patience comes alongside your faith and holds you up and buoys you up in your faith until you get to the other side. Like going across a river. So, you see, you know, faith is important. I haven't taught you about hope. I haven't taught you much about love yet. But there's all those factors come into my faith to make my faith work or my faith won't work properly. Faith works by love. All right. But here it's talking about patience. You have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise, the promise you're believing for. And like I told you a couple weeks ago, I've asked people for years, they say, I'm believing for this. I said, what scriptures are you standing on? And it's like I ask them to speak Greek or Japanese. And they go, uh, uh, I can tell the strain coming on them. And I say, well, don't you have a scripture you're believing for? Well, not really. Well, then what are you basing your faith on? I don't know. Well, yeah, God don't know if you're going to get it or not. I can tell you that. If you're going to, I don't know. You've got to be in agreement. To be in agreement with him, I've got to know what he has already said about me that he would do if I believe him. So I've got to have a scripture. Just one even. How about just one? All right. I'm just talking. See, when people try to, see, this is the problem with people who want to live by faith and they don't know what they're doing and then I bring something out and you get offended because I said that. But if you don't know what you're talking about, you just don't know what you're talking about. It's not coming to pass. Then you blame me for teaching you you can have what you say 
but you've never said it. Except I believe for a new something or other, but you're not basing it on anything that the Word says. You've got to get in the Word and have Word, turn the Word back to God. Father, you said if I said this and believed in my heart and didn't doubt, I could have what I say. Now, yeah, can you believe for that? That's what I'm asking you. And you've got to take sometimes other, some projects take more time to build your faith because it takes more faith to get there, to get that. How many know it takes less dollars to buy a $10,000 car than a $50,000? How many understand that? Okay, just bring it down where we live. $10 dress versus $100 dress. $10 suit versus $100 suit. Okay. All right, so don't cast away your confidence. Once you get in the Bible and have some confidence, and the word there, confidence, is an interesting word. In the Greek, it means bold speaking. Don't throw away your bold speaking. If you know what you believe and you believe what you know, then say what you know and you can have it. You may not have it the first day after you started saying it, but you'll have it. I don't know about you, you know. I was a little crippled boy in my legs, but my hands were all right. I learned to button my shirt pretty quick. And I remember my mom teaching me how to tie my shoes. I didn't have any impairment in my hands, just my legs. So it became pretty custom. I can even pray in tongues and tie my shoes while I'm tying my shoes or buttoning my shirt. I don't even need to stop and think, is this the right hole? How many get what I'm saying? You learn that by practice. You learn it by practice, 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 practice. Practice using your faith. On what? On everything. Everything you need to use it on. All right. Now, you know, remember, I think it's in Hosea. Don't turn back there, but Hosea 4 and 6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. One Hebrew word for that, my people are silent because of a lack of knowledge. You've got to say it. And really, you know, the truth is, you're saying what you believe all the time, every day. If you weren't guarded, you know, and I was around you, I could t pick up what you believe for. Or somebody that knows something, and not to, not to critique you, but I mean, I'm just critique everybody that talks, don't you? Yeah. Not to put them down, but I'm critiquing what they say. Yeah, I am. Especially pe people that call themselves preachers that try to teach me something that don't know what they're talking about. I got a button on TV, channel, or shut it off, either one, I could do both. But my point is, see, you're, there's no such thing in this planet as unbelief. Let me, let me tell you, there, the Bible talks about unbelief. Let me tell you what unbelief is. It's belief in a different system than God's system. Then, no, let me say, it's belief in a different system than God's word. You believe something other than that, and that's called unbelief. He says you can have it, and you say you can't. That's unbelief. He says you're healed. And you say, not so, I hurt. Well, we, there's a way to get the hurt out by believing God. And he comes down on our level, all kinds of levels to help us, if it's just through a, a specialized minister like myself who has ministry of healing in my mantle to minister to you. But, you know, when you get to be a big boy girl, you probably wouldn't necessarily need me a lot. Just talking. Because you just come to God yourself. Father, I believe I receive for that to stop. I command my body to function right. I do it to myself quite when I need it. I usually talk to myself. Occasionally, I might ask somebody to pray for me if I feel I need somebody else to agree with me. But I'm just talking to you here. When you believe something other than what's written in the book, you're believing that, not that. You're believing something other than the written word of God. And that 
that operation is called by God's word unbelief. No, there nobody is, every human being believes something. Unless you just are mentally scrambled or, you know, don't have, you've had brain surgery and you just don't know what you think about anything. I'm being honest here. Everybody believes something. It's just they don't believe this. So that's called in the Bible unbelief. Belief in the Bible is believing in what God said over what somebody else tells me. Are you listening? I'm not, I'm not counteracting some doctor that tells me you got this or that. I'm counteracting the fact that I have to keep it or that it has the right to stay in my body. First of all, it's my body. Second of all, it's God's body if I gave it to him as a temple. So he and I are in agreement, and he says we ought to glorify his body. Are you listening to me? And so there's plenty of scriptures that guarantee me that. I'm not challenging the doctor if he says he found this in the system or, or it showed up in my blood or da 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 No, but I have, I'm not going to argue with the doctor that I asked to examine me. But I'm going to go away from there, and I'm going to evaluate what they said based on what God says, and I'm going to do my best to take what God said and believe that, or if I need to, merge the medical and the faith walk together. If it's serious enough, you might want to do that. And God doesn't put us down if we need to do something medically. Or you need to take medicine, at least for a season. Okay, I'm just talking to you here. We're talking about don't cast your, don't cast your faith away. You can get so where you lean so much on the arm of the flesh or the medical profession or whatever it is you're leaning on, the government, your employer, or just name it. It's all in the natural world. And there's nothing wrong for having trust in those people, but there is something wrong with you putting them as your God, not God as your God. He knows how to heal you. He knows how to fix you. And I just told you, don't be condemned if you need to go to the doctor. I go if I need to. Are you? And I'll take medicine if I need to. I just don't believe you don't have to stay on that your whole life. Okay, now you still with me? Don't cast away your confidence. Don't cast away your faith. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. The promise of what? The promise that you're believing him to do for you. Whatever promise you found, or maybe found several promises. Amen. Notice verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. See, I told you, you should live by faith. Faith is a way, it's a lifestyle to live by faith. To live by faith. To live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul, this is God speaking, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. If I draw back away from faith and I start making comments out verbally or thinking this way first, well, that stuff doesn't work. I tried all that. Didn't I've had people tell me that. I tried that prosperity stuff. I tried tithing for three months and it didn't work. That's because you didn't do it. You just tried it until the devil could put enough pressure on you to make you think it wasn't working. And again, that's not being disturbed when circumstances try to talk you out of what you say you're believing. Don't let that disturb you. Just press on. Press on into God. Believe him to take care of you. The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, draw back away from faith, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. 
But we are not of them, look at this verse, we are not of them who draw back unto perdition. The word is destruction there. The word perdition is destruction. We're not of them who draw back unto destruction. So that's telling me if I draw back away from faith, eventually it's going to bring destruction into my life at some level. How many understand that? Because I'm refuting the Bible to go after something different. You know, we say we love God. Well, if we love him, we love his word. And we love his word, we just stay with it. We may not know all the answers to every situation right now in our life, but we're going to find them as we pursue God in his word. He's got an answer for everybody about everything. And he's willing to meet us at every level. We need to be like to laying on of hands, which I minister here a lot, but not so much just laying on hands, laying on hands with healing power in my hands to minister to you if you need it and so forth and so on, or... Anointing with oil, I don't do that because I've got a tangible anointing in my hands. Why would I need to anoint you with oil? But I did that when I started because I didn't know any better, and that's all I knew to do. Still trying to get healing to people. It's a progression. Am I, am I, is this being simple enough with you? The just shall live by faith, but if we shrink back. But we're not of them who draw back unto destruction, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. What does that mean? That means... Your spirit's been reborn when you gave your life to Jesus Christ. Your spirit's perfect. But your soulish realm is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Oh, man, that's a big, that's the, that's a big territory to deal with. And you renew your mind by going into the Word of God. And the Bible says in some translations, constantly renewing our mind. And so the renewing of your mind really in this comment here in Hebrews is the saving of our soul. That's what James says. I received the engrafted word, James 1, about verse 21. I received the engrafted word, which is able to save my soul. It's able to put my mind, my will, and emotions in place where it needs to be, not where it wants to be sometimes. See, your mind will fight you over some of these things. Remember my father-in-law. He was a very brilliant man. I'm not challenging anything he did. He understood nuclear physics. He understood that. He helped put the alloys in the metal that the, they sent people up in space. They came back in. It burned up. You know, this capsule burnt up because the metal in the shield couldn't handle that level of heat, thousands of degrees of heat. So he was called in with other scientists around America to figure out what do we put in that metal that makes it safe for a guy to come back in from outer space into our atmosphere without being burned to death. So he said, put a little of this. Put, I'm just making up stuff. Put a little cobalt, put a little zinc, put a little more copper and plutonium. I don't know. I'm just making up stuff. I'm not a scientist. But see, he knew that. And they put it together. And guess what? Guys came back alive. Then he was called to do the pumps up in Alaska, the Alaskan pipeline. You know, they put it in Alaskan pipeline. And you know Alaska's cold? In some places, it's really cold. And they put pumps in there inside that tube to keep that fluid, keep that oil flowing. And it was so intensely cold, it broke those motors because they couldn't stand that temperature deal on the cold side. So they had to put stuff in that to make them be able to be durable to deal with all that coldness and still pump. And so he invented that with other scientists. But I'm not talking about scientific things. I'm talking to you about how to get stuff flowing to you today. Instead of oil, how about God? How about faith? How about the anointing? How about the blessing of God flowing your way? Because you have faith in it. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Let's see here. What does I mark something here? I thought I did here. Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord no matter what happens. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. I marked this one too. Keep on being brave. I'm reading other translations. Eight translations here. I'm just reading a few of them. Keep on being brave for verse 35 in Hebrews 10. Keep on being brave. It'll bring you great reward. See, some, we just need to be brave. <laughs> Courageous. And now what God told Joshua, be courageous, and you'll go in and you'll possess the land. Every place your foot treads, you'll take it. Yeah. Keep on being brave. It'll bring you great rewards. Learn to be patient so that you will please God and be given what he has promised. Here's another one. Do not lose the courage you had in the past, which has a great reward. You must hold on so that you can do what God wants and receive what he's promised. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we're talking about don't throw, away your, don't throw away your faith. Now let's go over to Galatians a minute, back to the book of Galatians back here. First and second Corinthians and Galatians. And I'll go to chapter 3 with me. We're going to look at some other scriptures here. We're doing good. Been preaching a little over a half hour. Got for more, for more words to give you here about this. We're talking about now I'm switching gears, still talking about faith, talking about living by faith. Not just something you use in case of emergency, but it's a way of life with you. And you know where you start? You start where you start. You say, well, where do I start? Well, let me ask you. Figure out where you're at. I can't figure that out for you. I mean, if you're, you know, a kindergartner, you don't try to live in eighth grade. You're going to flunk. You don't, you're not that smart. I'm talking about in the spirit. If you're a first or second or third grader, then live at that level, but go in fourth grade. Graduate and get in fourth grade eventually. Don't stay in third grade for 45 years. It's all up to you. I hate to tell you the truth kind of about that because you look at me like, oh, my gosh, Pastor, what do you want? I don't want anything. I just want to live for God. How about you? I'm telling you you can, and I'm telling you you can make progress if you want to. And if you don't, you'll stay the same, but really you won't. You'll just float back a little bit at a time. The devil will see to it. He pushes you, pushes you, pushes you, pushes you, pushes you. He's, he's a hater. He hates people like us. It's all right with me. I don't like him either. He fooled with me. I'll tell him about what it's right now. I'm going to resist you, and you've got to run off in terror. And secondly, there's a big angel coming, throwing a chain around your neck, going to throw you in hell. Someday, and I'm going to be laughing at you all the way as I see you go. Yeah, that's right. I'm playing with him. He's a, he's a mean motor scooter. He will kill you in a minute. If he could, he would. But see, we resist him. With what? Our faith. Peter tells us that, and James tells us that. Both these two writers, you know, resist him firm in your faith, and he'll, he'll leave you. You've got to resist him. All right, now where do we go? Galatians chapter 3. Look at verse 13 and 14. Christ, we would, we would uh, you know, translate that the anointed one in his anointing or Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one in his anointing, has redeemed us or we would say, I like this word better, delivered us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. So that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that's me and you, through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. 
First of all, he says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? I'm glad you asked that. The curse of the law, you have to go to the Old Testament to find that out. The curse of the law is in what the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, it's called, is called the law. And the Bible's called in the Old Testament the book of the law. But how many of you know there's a curse that goes with that law? It's not in the Ten Commandments. There's no mention of a curse in the Ten Commandments, so that's not you can't find it there. You've got to go to some other places in Deuteronomy and stuff. I'm not going to turn there for you right now because I'm talking about Christ redeemed us. But people say, well, that just tells us we're redeemed. It doesn't tell us what we're redeemed from. I've already studied. Let me help you. Three things primarily. Spiritual death. You're redeemed or delivered from spiritual death if you're in Christ. You became a new creature. You're not in death. You're in life. Depending on how much life you have in you depends on how much you could have. But it's available. Life for the whole man, like we talked to you in Thessalonians, you know, complete and whole, spirit, soul, and body might be preserved sound or whole or complete, made normal, made complete. Praise God. Yeah, but the curse of the law is this, spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. If you reduce all the things in Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going there with you now. You could read it for yourself, the whole chapter. It'll tell you those three things occurs in the curse. Spiritual death, poverty, sickness. Spiritual life, you get life, blessing, prosperity, and healing and health. Are you listening to me? So the curse is primarily three areas, and you're redeemed out of that. People say, I'm redeemed from sin. Well, you are, but that's just a small part of it. You're not only redeemed from sin, you're redeemed from depression. You're redeemed from confusion. You're redeemed from poverty. You're redeemed from sickness and disease. What sickness is Any sickness and disease. You read back in Deuteronomy 28, you know about, I don't know, verse 60, 61, something like that. All the sicknesses and diseases we just listed in those passages, plus any that's not written yet. I don't think they had AIDS back then. They had that activity, but they didn't have AIDS that I know of. But anyway, all that stuff come in my generation here. Plus a lot of other nasty stuff came. Since I've been on the planet 70 years now. So it includes all that. And when I'm gone and you're still here, it includes all that. Just remember I told you. All that. And whatever that is, you're redeemed from it if it's trying to destroy you. Make you sick, make you impoverished, poor, or reduce your life in any form or fashion. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from those things. You've been delivered from, you've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, one translation, and put over into the kingdom of his dear son, or redeemed from darkness and put over into light. Doesn't sound like what we learned when we were ch children at church, does it? No, doesn't even, it doesn't even resemble it. No, you're redeemed. You're delivered from darkness and all that's in darkness. Remember John 10 and 10, the thief, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If anything in my life shows up that's doing that, I know it's not God because that's of the thief. And Jesus is not a thief. God is not a thief. The Holy Ghost is not a thief. I just read you part of it here. He's redeemed us from all of that and so that the blessing of Abraham would come on us. See, Abraham's connected in here with us too. You know, he was before the old covenant, 430 years before Moses. Moses was the one that established the old covenant. 
Okay. So it says here that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. What is the blessing of Abraham? I just told you. Spiritual life, prosperity, and healing and health. That's the blessing. I didn't earn it. You didn't earn it. Jesus did it for us. I'm going to read you that in a minute. You didn't do anything except accept it. At least you get carried away. You ought to get carried away with what I'm preaching, but <laughs> let me find this here. Christ took away the curse the law put, put on us. He changed places with us and put himself, Jesus, under the, that curse. It is written in the scriptures, anyone whose body is displayed on a tree is cursed. Christ did this so that God's blessing promised Abraham might come through Jesus Christ to those who are not Jews. That's us. Jesus died so that by our believing, or I would say by our faith, because that's what I'm talking about today, same thing, we could receive the spirit that God promised. How about this one? But Christ rescued us from the law's curse when he became a curse in our place. See, when he died on that cross, he became what we were so that we could become what he is. He changed places with us. I know that's hard for the natural mind to comprehend, but he, he bore it for us. <laughs> he bore it for us. Dad Dufresne, he's having a, Dr. Dufresne, my spiritual father, he was, at, he was in a communion deal at his church. He was a young believer then, but he was a prophet, so you give him to more dreams and visions and things like that. I understand that myself. But he's sitting there with those elements, and he said, what really happened? And he saw the roof of the church removed, and he saw Jesus hanging on a cross, and he saw these diseases coming up from the bottom of the earth and hitting him. Leukemia, herpes, every sickness and disease. Boom, 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 boom. It's hitting until he said he didn't even look like a man. He was just a solid bruise. And that's what Jesus did. He took it for us. He took our place. We deserved that because we were under the curse. We had no way of getting out from under the curse without somebody who could die that was perfect as a sacrifice. And he bore that for us. He took our place to give us his place now. We're, right, we're seated with him. We've been raised to sit with him. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. You know, somebody challenged Dr. Dr. Hagen one time, Brother Hagen, not in person, but on a tape he got. And he said, by his stripes we were here. And he said, that's talking about being healed from sins. But you know, that guy, though, he was very intellectual and had a PhD in something. He was very stupid because if that took that, then the cross was not, not eventful. Why would he need to go to the cross if just beating him would have done it? Think with me. You don't want to let anything separate you from the cross, but you don't want to stay at the cross your whole life. You want to go on to the upper room. You want to go on into your destiny. You want to go on and conquer things for Christ in this earth. Hallelujah. Maybe. <laughs> you look like you're falling asleep on me. Through the work of Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. What was that blessing? Life, richness, healing. You go back and read about Abraham, you know, he had a healing ministry. He was a liar. That wasn't under the blessing. He did that himself because he's afraid he had a good-looking wife. He's afraid if he told the king that's my wife, they would execute him and take her. 
And then God closed all the wombs of everybody in that household of the king, Abimelech. And finally he figured it out and he prayed for Abimelech and God opened all the wombs up. And he had a healing ministry. How many are listening to me? The Bible says Abram was rich. He was very rich. Silver, gold, and cattle. You're still pretty good if you got silver, gold, and cattle. You know that? Okay, just talking to you. See, that the same blessing that he promised Abraham that we Christians would receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Rule keeping, here's the message translation. There's things about the message I like, some I don't, but I like this verse. Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule keeping. See, people think they're okay because they keep all the rules. You're not, that, you're not okay because you keep the rules. You're okay because you're born again. you got Christ in you. And you're learning things as you grow under the word ministry where it begins to let you come up higher. And, and really, you begin to really, though you were created to dominate to begin with, it begins to allow you to operate in dominion on a different scale, a different level than you once knew you could. How many are listening to me? Okay. You have authority. Hallelujah. Now, let's go on to Galatians 3, go to verse 28 and 29. I'm just about ready to close. You know what it means when preacher says that? Not much. But anyway, hang with me. <laughs> Galatians 3, 38, 28 and 29. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There, if you just people just believe this verse, there'd be no problem with racism of any sort. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, or one translate, if you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You're Abraham's seed. Not, not physically, but spiritually were Abraham's seed because he was a faith man. And when we got saved, we were born into faith too. God gave us the measure of faith, Romans 12 tells us. Uh, let's go over to Romans a minute. Romans uh, chapter 4, first of all. Romans chapter 4 here a minute with me. We're talking about living by faith. We're talking about living by faith. Not just something we use, but something we live in. Uh, Romans 4, and I'm going to begin in verse 12, I think. Verse 12 and 13. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision. Now, Paul is talking here about the Jews versus the non-Jewish people, and that would be us non-Jewish people, uh, who also walk in the steps, this is important, who walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham. So he's going to lay out for us in this passage the steps of Abraham's faith so that we could follow his example. How many of you understand that? If you belong to Abraham, then you would follow his faith. That makes sense? Yeah. And, and we're following the faith of Abraham. And let's look at it here. Uh, let's, let's go ahead up here in verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace or God's ability to the end the promise. What promise? The promises of God, all the promises of God are yes and amen. That's in another passage, but I'm bringing it to you if you listen to me. To the end the promises might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is the faith of Abraham. That would be us, the faith of Abraham, because we just read in Galatians 3.29, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise he made Abraham. Okay. So it says, this is, I'm going to take you through these steps real quick. As it is written, I have made thee, this is God, a father of many nations, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead, or makes alive the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. 
Now, this is important enough to stop and talk about this for a second. Abraham was about 90 years old, and his wife was 100. I think that's right. And they'd never had a child. You know, she's way past menopause. Let me just say that to you. She's not having no babies in the natural. But it says it's going to sell beyond that natural hope. Abraham got supernatural hope from God because God said, I'm going to give you a seed to Sarah. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11, Sarah believed God herself and was faithful in that she conceived seed. This is an old, old couple. Praise the Lord. And it says that God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. Abraham means father of many nations. Abram doesn't mean that. Abraham means he's, he's connected to God, that Ham part. Are you listening? So every time somebody called him Abraham or Abraham, that's on it, then he heard himself being called the father of nations. See? Now, I want you to look at this carefully. You call things that be not as though they were based on, in verse 17, what is written. Listen to me carefully or people get this confused. It's not confusing if you listen. You don't call things that are as if they're not. And people that do that are just not right. I don't have bills. I don't have a phone bill. I don't have a car payment. I don't have a house. They're going to take it all from you. Eventually, if you play with them long enough, they're going to send somebody and say, get out of that house where the bank's going to pull it back. Get out of your car. Give me the keys. You're done with that. No, we're not. You see, that's pretend. That's People think that's what we preach, but that's not what that says. I call things that be not as though they were based on what God has said. I'm calling, I'm, listen to me. Let, me, let me, let me just quote what I wrote down here. There is no power in denying what exists. There's no power in denying what exists. I never, I, I've already talked to you about healing a minute ago. I didn't say I'm challenging the doctor saying you're a liar. You tell me I got, I say, or when she told me my wife's got a problem delivering this baby. I didn't say, well, you're a liar. I don't believe that. I didn't, I didn't fool at all. I just smiled and shook my head and listened to him. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Do you have any questions? I don't think so. We got out in the hallway. I took my wife's hand. I said, it'll be as I say. I'm saying the placenta has to move. Placenta, listen to me. You talk to placentas. When it was in my way, I did. When it was in the way of having him. I said, placenta, you listen to me. I'm talking to you. You get out of the way. Reattach yourself. They say medically that never does that. It's what I've been told by doctors. But it did. It just reattached itself somewhere else inside that womb. It took nine months to do it. It didn't happen the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, eighth month. I kept going back, and the doctor kept saying, it's just like I said. And he's doing ultrasound and doing a physical exam, and he knows what he's feeling. He knows what he's seeing on the film. I'm not, I'm not arguing with him. I just go out of his office and say, remember to be as I say, honey. Trying to be a smart No, I'm trying to get my son here alive so that she doesn't lose this child that God's promised us. I was a little more, more, more out in faith by then, by the time he came along, than I was earlier in life. There's no power in denying what exists. People that do that are very foolish. See, they think that what I teach is Christian science. I'm not teaching Christian science. I'm teaching Christian sense. This is the Bible. You call things that be not as though they are based on what is written. <laughs> you should be saying, I have a supply. Isn't that what Philippians 4.19 says? My God shall supply. I mean, that's, I have a supply. 
How about you go back to Psalm 23 in the Old Testament? That's way back. It's inferior to our covenant. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Do you think they'd have better back then than we'd have today? Then there wouldn't be a better covenant. Then you got to rip Hebrews 8 out of your Bible and throw that away. No, I'm being silly to talk to you like that because we need to realize what we have if we'll begin to call for things that are already ours by covenant but not in manifestation as far as we know yet. You know, faith is the things of things you hope for, things you cannot see, and I like to add this because it later comes up in Hebrews 11 about verse 7 or 8, as yet, but if it's real faith, you're going to see it. <laughs> you see him sitting here? I see him sitting there. I called for him when he was in the womb so that he could be here and be healed and she wouldn't have to abort or have a problem with that or miscarriage or whatever. And, she, and the doctor told us all that may happen because of problems. So we just said, no, it'd be as I say. The power is calling things into manifestation that God's words tells us are already ours. By his stripes I'm healed. I'm not saying I'm not sick. Get over it. Listen to me. You're going to mess yourself up if you don't pay attention. You don't say you're not sick if you're sick. You just say, by his stripes I'm healed. Or you have your mate lay hands on you and pray for you, and then you say, I've had hands laid on me, and I am recovering. I mean, even if I have to go to the doctor, I would still use my faith with the doctor. That's what I would do if I were you. You don't call things that are as if they're not. It'll just continue to be more worse for you. And the devil takes advantage of people thinking that's what we've taught. We've never said that. We've always said we call things that be not as though they were based on what is written. I'm not basing it on something I'm thinking. I'm basing it on something God said. <laughs> I got saved on what God said. I wasn't trying to get babies here. I was just trying to get my life organized again. I was a drug addict. And he said, if you'll come forward tonight and give me your life, I'll put your life together. Jesus spoke that to me personally sitting in a pew. The preacher was preaching, come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I said, my God, I just what I said to myself. My God, I need rest. I feel totally messed up. All the drugs, all the people, all the parties, all the weirdness, all the strangeness, being a drug addict, this crazy person. I had become. He said, if you'll come to me, I'll put your... And I just took him at his face value. Okay, I'm coming. Ponytail and all, 21 years old, walking the aisle with 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids, you know, teenagers. And he made his word good. He, he, he put my life together. Isn't that sweet? He's sweet. Yeah. There's no power in denying what exists. But there is power in calling into manifestation that God's word tells us is already ours. Find out what God has given you in his word and call for that. Call for This is so simple. You, I, you can't miss this. If you have a dog and you don't have a cat, you're not outside saying, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> unless you're mental. Unless you're mentally not right. Isn't that right? If you got a dog, you're not saying, kitty, 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 kitty. You're, you're hey, Buffy. Hey, Buff, whatever. Come on back, Buff. Job or Job or George or whoever your dog's called, I don't know. 
Yeah, you call him for what you want because what you want's not there yet. You're calling something you want to come to you. Anybody ever called for a dog or a cat? Okay, five people. The rest of you don't know about the animal world yet? I'm sorry for you. I don't know what to do for you about that. Yeah, I had a dog named Shelly, and I'd whistle, and she'd be halfway in the cornfield, and and she'd just come running. I can't whistle too good today, but anyway, I'd whistle, and she'd come. Full speed ahead, you know, running. Yeah. Okay, I got one more verse to show you here. Go back to Psalm 17 with me. It's one of my favorite verses of all the whole Bible. I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 57 minutes I've been preaching. In case you wonder if I know, yeah, it's up on the big wall back here. <laughs> the big wall in the sky, you know. Psalm 17, of course, let's just read verse 1 too. We're not really going to look at 3 and 4, but hear the right, O Lord, Psalm 17, 1. Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. I'm showing you that he's talking to God right here. Uh, give ear unto my prayer that goes forth out of my feigned lips, which means sincere lips. Let my sentence come forth from thy presence. That's a whole sermon in itself. Let thy eyes behold the things that are equal. Now look at verse 3 and 4. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed. This is what I want to get to in verse 4. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. See, you have to get purpose that your mouth is not going to speak one way when pressures come and a different way when you're at church. That you're not going to speak different when, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about this? And then try to speak right in a different moment. You've got to bring it together and purpose in your your mouth, my mouth, your lips, my lips, our words will not transgress his covenant. In other words, I'm going to speak in line the best I can that I know of with his word. How many know what I'm saying? You know, recently I had a hard time sleeping. Normally that's not true of me, but I did for some reason, several reasons. And I went to the Word, and I found in Psalm 3 and 5, it says, I laid me down and slept, and I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. So he said, I'm not going to die during my sleep, and I'm going to wake up the next morning, but I'm going to lay down and sleep, not lay down and think, not lay down and toss and turn. Then I went on to Psalm 4 and 8. I'm giving you something if you have a hard time sleeping. This is your medication for the night. Psalm 4 and 8 says, I will lay me down in peace and sleep for you, O Lord, only make me to dwell in safety. Hmm. Watch over this house while I'm sleeping. I'm not worried about anybody intruding or nothing else. I will lay me down in peace. So I'm not worried. I'm not frustrated. And sleep. That's the key. And sleep. And I think it's Psalm 127 says he gives his beloved, that's me and you, sleep. So I say, Father, I receive it. If you gave it, I receive it. Psalm 127. There's just some sleep scriptures instead of taking PMs of some sort. Okay, and listen here. It says, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Look at verse 4. Concerning the works of men by the word of thy lips. Now, who was he talking to? Oh, Lord, he said in verse 1. So by the word of God's words uh, that come out of his lips, I have kept me. Notice that I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. So he said, I took your words, Father, from your Bible that you spoke to me that came through your lips, and I put them in my heart, and I spoke them out of my mouth, and they kept me from the paths, plural, of the destroyer. 
There's lots of different paths that lead to destruction. One path leads to life. One path. And that's based on God's word. So, you know, all I can say is you've been talking randomly, kind of just wildly, thinking think anything comes into your head saying or somebody else told you, you have to monitor that and say, no, I'm going to purpose that my mouth is not going to transgress the covenant. And don't get frustrated if you don't complete it in a week. I've been doing this for 35 years. And occasionally I still miss it. She corrects me if I'm wrong. I let her. I mean, if I was going to be grumpy, then I wouldn't let her. But she'd just upset me. But she doesn't have to correct me a whole lot because it doesn't come out of my mouth very much anymore. I've washed all that out with the washing of the water of the word. You know, one time I was playing on the playground and some boy said a bad word and I went home and was taking a bath and I said that word. My mother came in, took the soap and the washcloth and washed my mouth out. I've never said that since. That's what the word of God will do for you. It'll wash you out. Hallelujah. By the word of your lips, Lord, I've kept me from the paths of the story. I know we think, well, God's keeping us, and there's truth to that too, but there's truth to you keeping you with God's word. You just leave it all up to God, it probably won't happen. Because he's looking for agreement. And he's looking for somebody that will speak back to him his word. That's what motivates him. Isn't that right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. 